0: Today we launch a series called Seek. Um, We've done this every single year. I think since the beginning of our church, uh, we've been in a season of prayer and fasting. You know that the the beginning of the year uh, is not just important for us in the sense of it's a calendar change. You get to sort of reset some new things, but the beginning of the year, the new year is also important to God. You know that God has his eye on what we do with the first. We're actually going to look at scripture here in a minute, but God pays extra attention to what we do with our beginnings. Now, you know that today is not only the first day uh, of this month, it's also the first day of the new year, but it's also the first day of the week. So it's really significant here, all these firsts that we have in this moment. And so this is a holy moment that we're in. We're saying, God, we're, devo- we're devoting this day to you, this time of the year, we're committing this to you. And so you're going to be sold a lot of things the next couple of weeks, the next several days as we're in the new year, they're going to say, Hey, Hey, you, you need to do this. If you want to have your best year, you need to do this. And they might try to sell you a diet or exercise program or, or, or some sort of strategy to help with scheduling or something like that. They're going to say, Hey, if you do this, you're going to have your best year. But the reality is this, if you want this to be your best year, then you need to make sure it's your best year spiritually. If you want to have your best year, you say, man, I can't have a year like I had last year. <laughs> we flushed that year. We're not doing that again. We need to do some things different. If you want to have a better year than last year, you need to make sure you have a better year spiritually. Amen. And, and you know, you, you can have a good financial year. You can have a good career year. You can have a, a, a good you know, entertainment year, social status year, take trips, do vacations. You can do all those kinds of things, have good things, but they don't satisfy like when you have a good spiritual year. Am I telling the truth today? Because the scripture says that it's like in him we find all the things that we truly desire. I was praying this morning through Psalm 23, very famous Psalm 23, as I'm just kind of warming up and waking up for the morning. I'm going through Psalm 23, which many of you know, it's a, it's the it's the nearness of God chapter. where talking about God being our shepherd and, and leading us through hard times. And, and, I, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh, Lord, this is what I want for this year. I want the nearness of you. I want this as this, you know, being year 23 is why I turned to 23. And I said, just, just speak to me. But then I reminded myself. God wants to be near. Oh, Lord, I would love this to be the testimony of my life, your nearness in my life. And God's like, well, that's easy, Josh. This, my, my promise to you is if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. The nearness of God is, is in great correlation with the pursuit of which we pursue God. How I many you know what I'm talking about? So this year, there's a lot of things you're going to pursue. There's a lot of things that you'll seek. There's a lot of things that you'll put in position and you'll try to have in your life. But none of them compare to saying, hey, this year, I'm going to make sure that I seek God, drawing near to God. That way I can experience his nearness. Can I get an amen? A.W. Tozer says it this way. There will be no manifestation of God to his people apart from earnest seeking. There is no other way to experience God apart from being a people who seek him and pursue him and prioritize him in our life. You can come to church every single Sunday. But if you don't come to church with the desire to be seeking him and pursuing him and drawing near to him, then you're going to miss the manifestation of God in your life. You can be somebody who has all the songs on in the car. You can have all of the right bumper stickers. You can have all of the right things said and your words on set. But if your heart isn't one that is seeking and pursuing and desiring, you will not see the manifestation of God in your life. It's got to come from this desire of God. I'm seeking you and seeking you alone. I wrote it down this way. Seeking God requires physical action. And that's what we're going to talk about in this next series, this month of January, as we talk about pursuing God. You know, so many of us have these these sort of ideas or this wishful thinking of God. I I want to draw near to God. And it's this thought in our head that we have. Oh, this year, I want to pursue him. I want to know him like never before. And we have this good intention and this great idea. But if it doesn't turn from thought and desire and wish to pursuit, then it's never going to accomplish what it's supposed to. You hear me say this all the time. Proof, write this down, proof is in the pursuit. Proof of something is in the pursuit of it. If I said, you hear me say this example all the time, man, you guys know what? In 23, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to play a mean keyboard. I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to play a mean keyboard. I'm going to be, you wait till you see me on there, I'm going to nail that keyboard. And, and, and one month later, you come to me and you say, hey, so how's it going playing that keyboard? Did you get a keyboard yet? Well, no, I, uh, I didn't get a keyboard yet but I'm going to be awesome. I'm going to be an awesome keyboard player. Well, did you take a lesson? You're at least taking a lesson somewhere, right? You're taking a lesson? Uh, no, no, I'm not taking a lesson. How I many you know I'm not truly pursuing being a keyboard player if I'm not in pursuit and taking the physical action steps to learn it? How I many you know what I'm talking about? It's the same thing in our walk with God. There's physical things we need to do, things we need to put in place to say, God, I'm pursuing you. I'm seeking after you. Can I get an amen today? God requires action on our part to draw near to him that's why all throughout scripture uh, he's given us these different things that we do physically to draw near to him pray praying is a physical action we take and we make a space i want you to hear this if you want the nearness of god this year if you want your best year make it your best year spiritually we got we got to make sure we do things One, one is pray god said hey physically i want you to make time you're praying. You're having conversation with me. You're, you're going to me with your good, bad, your ugly. He can handle that. Praying, I'm praying, I'm seeking. Another thing that he gave us a physical act, singing. He said, Hey, make sure my, my praise you're praising me is always on your lips. Continually make sure you're coming in and you're singing. You're physically offering up worship. Think about this. Jesus said, Hey, do this in remembrance of me. Speaking of communion, he literally gave us a physical thing to do. Break bread and do this in remembrance of me. Why did he do that? Because spiritual breakthrough comes when we make physical decisions. Reading his word, getting out your iPad or your Bible or whatever, sitting down and saying, hey, I'm taking a physical step to draw near to God. I'm going to read this word. Giving. It's a financial sacrifice. We say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and I'm going to make sure I give and I'm going to see somebody in need and I'm going to meet their need. I'm going to write them a check. I'm going to give them money. I'm going to give them the goods that they need, whatever it takes. We're saying, hey, this is a physical, spiritual step that I'm going to take to draw near to God. Serving. Thank God we have people with a heart to serve so that we could have church today. Our staff, we said, oh my goodness, New Year's Day is on a Sunday. What are we going to do? And I said, well, our people love the Lord and they know that they're going to take physical steps and they're going to serve. How many are grateful for that today? You know, we had two people, brand new people in first service, first service, brand new two people already went down and signed up for everything in the church. Like they found their home church because we served. they will get coming in. Are you with me today? You know what I'm talking about? Physical obedience. I wrote this down, write it down this way. Physical obedience always brings spiritual breakthrough. Physical obedience always brings spiritual breakthrough. Think all throughout scripture, the messages that God wants us to understand is that acts of physical obedience bring spiritual breakthrough. Think about it. At one point in scripture, somebody had to physically drop the staff. Hey, drop your staff and turn into a serpent. You know the story of Moses. But at one point, he literally had to physically obey and drop a staff. Think about it in scripture, five smooth stones. He tells David, go find five smooth stones. That was his act of physical obedience. He had to go search out these stones And spiritual breakthrough was on the other side of that physical obedience. I thought about this. There's so many times in scripture where God would say, hey, I need you to move from this land and go over to this land. These were acts of physical obedience that brought spiritual breakthrough. Think about Joshua and and marching. I need you to march around and then I need you to blow an instrument. I need you. These were physical acts that brought spiritual breakthrough. How much more so in this day, in this hour, is God's hand still on the physical acts that we do to bring spiritual breakthrough? We're going to read our word. We're going to pray. We're going to serve. We're going to do all these things. Why? Because our physical acts, when they're submitted unto the Lord, bring spiritual breakthrough. Matthew chapter six, verse 33. Most of us know this passage. It says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The scripture is telling you to make sure you seek first. Why? Because it's easy to forget putting him first. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get caught up in the deadlines and all the other things that we need to do. He said, no, no, no. Make sure you seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And then it says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here's the meaning of the scripture. It's saying this. It's saying, hey, don't worry about tomorrow and all the other kind of things. This is what you need to worry about. Worry every day about seeking God. Seek him first. That's what you worry about. And then all the other things will get added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about this and that and this and keeping up with this and all this kind of stuff. If you're just somebody who gets up every day and says, you know what I'm going to worry about today? I'm going to worry about seeking God and putting him first. The scripture says that the promise is everything that you need will be added unto you. Can I get amen today? The definition of seek is this. To try to acquire or gain. Or gain. Aim at, ask for, request, or attempt to discover. I hope that's said about our life at the end of the year. Man, that was a people at Zeeland, at Vertical Church, that they sought God so hard that when you looked at their life, you could tell that they were trying to acquire him. They were trying to aim at God. They were asking for God. They were uh, requesting to attempt to discover God. I'm here with me. One of the definitions means to remove distractions in pursuit of. It's one of the ways that you seek something is you remove the distractions in your life to be in pursuit of what you're seeking. It's characterized or uh, preceded by advancing from an intense and serious state of mind. Again, I hope that's what's said about our life is, man, look at them advancing and proceeding and going forward from such an intense state of mind the way that they seek after God. Seeking to pursue is not to accommodate or tolerate. What I mean by that is this, like, oh here's the prayer and fasting again. 21 days, church is doing prayer and fasting. again. I guess we need to tolerate this. That's not seeking. Oh, I guess we better accommodate fasting into our life somehow. What do you want to give up? What should you, that's not seeking. Seeking is wholeheartedly with this pursuit and this aggression of I'm going after the thing that I so desire. I thought about it like this. So many people say, well, I just wish I could have a, 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 a Christian life like those people over there. You know, my grandparents, they were so spiritual, and I just wish that I could have a, well, you know, my friend over there, my neighbor, or this pastor that I once knew. Man, they had such a great relationship with the Lord. It's probably because they went to Christian school. It's probably because they grew up in church, and I wrote it down like this. You don't simply stumble upon a relationship with God. A great relationship with God is strategically put in place. We seek it. We build it. And that's what we do with this 21 days of prayer and fasting in this seek series. We say, God, we are a people who want to set a foundation and a foundation that's built on you. Psalm 910 says it this way. Those who know your name and trust in you. Those who know your name and trust in you for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. He never forsakes those who seek him. This year, 21 days, prayer and fasting, beginning of the year, with my first thing, I'm going to be seeking Him. Why? Because I know He's a God who doesn't forsake us. I can trust in His name that He's a God who doesn't forsake us. So why are we choosing January 1? You kind of heard me mention it a minute ago. January 1, why do we every year choose the Seek series to be here? Well, one, of course, it's the beginning of the year, so we can set new goals and new focuses, but God gives extra attention to what we do with our first. Young people, I want you to understand this. You can set a lot of goals. You can put a lot of things in place, and schooling should be that, and your friends, you should have goals about what kind of friends you're going to have, all those kind of things. But every single year at the beginning of the year, you need to say, hey, this is my new year, and I understand that God is paying extra attention to what I do with my first, so let's make sure we get our first right. Here's what the Scripture talks about, the first being important. The first of anything is important to God. God calls it the law of the first things. Anytime something is mentioned or happens for the first time in Scripture, it has great significance to God. God calls the first thing the devoted thing, meaning the first thing is the thing that belongs to him. All throughout Scripture, you see the first fruits of your increase is mentioned. So the first fruits of your increase is mentioned to God, and it's important. We see all throughout scripture, the firstborn of animals, even God gives an account for it. Like, hey, I'm seeing what you're doing with the firstborn of your animals. We know that in scripture, the scripture has a lot to say about our first time sexually and how we should steward that and and take that seriously. That's another thing that God pays attention to. Uh, We know that the first of anything is important to God. Why? Check this out. It's because it represents the total. When you say, God, this is the first and I'm giving it to you. God can then see that, receive that and bless it as the total devoted to him. Is that making sense today? That's why we tie the first 10%. We say, God, I'm giving you my 10, uh, the first of my increase. I'm giving you 10%. God sees the rest of it as blessed and devoted. Think about your week. The reason church falls on the first is because God's like in heaven going like, hey, I know you have soccer, I know you have school, I know you have your career, I know you have you know, all of the things on your calendar. But if you'll take Sunday morning, the first day of a new week, and you'll say, God, I'm giving you my first of every single week, God sees the rest of our week as devoted and blessed. How I many you know what I'm talking about. How many have ever, I know it's nobody in this church, but how many have ever skipped church for like a couple, maybe even weeks? and you've just missed that devoted Sunday morning. And all of a sudden you get back to here, you get back to your church, and you're just like, man, I needed this. Why? Because you lived some pretty undevoted weeks. And I'm not being like religiously stingy and, and harsh. I'm not saying if you miss, you're, you're uncommitted. But I'm saying when we come in with the devotion of God, I'm coming to seek you today. We all know that there is blessing and fruit on the other side of that. Can I get amen? So since says, I understand that you got all these things going on in your life, but if you give me this first I'll see that as a devotion. What we do with the first determines what happens with the rest. Romans chapter 11, verse 16 in the new King James reiterates this. It says for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. What we do with our first runs the rest. So we say, Hey God, I'm going to make sure at the beginning, the root of this thing it's devoted and it's committed and it's seeking you. Therefore, the rest of everything that grows out of this is blessed. That's why if our first falls into entertainment or career or our social status, we'll have a hard time seeing God's blessing on the rest of the areas of our life. Pride steps in saying, oh God, we don't need to seek you. We don't need to put you first or have you in the foundation. We can handle it all. Psalm ten four says it this way. In his pride, in his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. One translation of the word wicked here is just worldly. In his pride, the worldly man, the one who's all caught up in the things of the world, the one who's all just caught up in the stuff of life, the worldly man doesn't seek God. There's no room for him in his life. You could say the worldly man doesn't take time to read his word. The worldly woman doesn't take time to pray and to worship and to give. And therefore, we miss out on the rest of it being devoted and blessed. King Uzziah was this king who the scripture said about this. King Uzziah said that he was a king who the scripture said did right in the eyes of the Lord. This is a king who was blessed by God. This was a king who had favor with the Lord, did right in the eyes of the Lord. But in 2 Chronicles, we begin to see a change happen. Second Chronicles 26.5 says this, says, He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God, and how to fear God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Jump down a few verses in verse 16. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall, and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. What he began to do is say, Man, I'm good. I don't got to seek the Lord. I don't need to make him as a foundation. I don't need to put him first and build my life around him. I'm good. I can handle this. Look at all that I build. I'm a self made man. And he let that pride creep in, and the falling away began to happen in his life. That's why these series of prayer and fasting and every single year we say, hold on, I don't want any of that to get in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to rearrange all this kind of stuff so that I can keep him first so that I can see the blessing on my life. I wrote it down like this. When we are weak with God, temptation is strong. When we are strong with God, temptation is weak. That's why we need to make sure God is first and he is our foundation. Can I get amen today? So now you're going, well, pastor, that's a lot. I'm, sound, I'm hearing a ton of stuff. Uh, well, we're going to help you with that. So we just put together a, a brand new uh, prayer and worship guide. And you say, oh, I've done prayer and worship before. It doesn't really work for me. Or I've done it before, and it didn't really uh, interest me. I didn't have much fun with it or anything like that. Listen, I would say it to you this way. The old saying that says, uh, if you're failing to plan, you're planning to fail. So you say, no, this year I'm just going to kind of take life as it comes and I'm just going to do whatever. No, you need to have a plan this year with the Lord. The amount of spiritual warfare that Christians and even non-Christians who are unaware are having to deal with, it's very important that we have a plan this year. Can I get an amen? And, and so this is one of the ways that we steward our lives and we manage it. So we put this thing together and it is loaded. It's free to you. You can pick it up in the hallway. Here's what you're going to find on the inside of this. The first thing that you'll come across is how do we fast? Pastor's talking about prayer and fasting. I've never fasted before. How do we fast? It's going to give you the answers about how to start, what to do, what to pay attention to, some ideas about what kind of fast to go on, different things like that. So you'll find that information here. Another thing you'll do is we, we pick some pretty big categories. We got four or five different pillars for you, life categories, that we're going to have you write some goals. Like, hey, what are some things that you can do uh, to, to accomplish some goals? Where are some areas that you want to see some growth? You know what's funny? I was just listening to an article uh, by Peloton. Peloton, obviously, your leading um, fitness industry thing now. And um, they just said that there's such a fitness boom when it comes to, of course, you guys all know this, tracking. People want to know their data. So they want to do a workout, and and just as much as they care about doing a workout, you know what they want to see after the workout? The data, the results. How did I do? What did I do? What did I compete about? And, And it's such a thing. That's baked in us. Why? Because God made it that way. God's saying, hey, pay attention to your days. Number your days. Spend them accordingly. Pay attention to what you're doing with your life, and this is what will help you do that. Hey, here's some goals, and here's some things that I'm praying for this year. I want to be able to see the results of God's growth in my life. Can I get an amen today? So there's some categories you can write some goals, and it's not a big thing. If you sit down with your husband or wife, it's not going to take you weeks to come up with all this kind of stuff. But there's some categories in here you can say, hey, God, this is how uh, I need your help this year. Will you help me in these things? So that's in there. Another thing that you can do in here is you can scan a QR code and it brings up a 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, reading plan that we all get to go on. So the prayer and fasting starts next week. So next Sunday is when we kick it all off. And so when you bring up that QR code, um, it's going to be your first day of reading for 21 days and then your next one. And, um, and so you'll be able to scan that in there. And so just all sorts of great stuff, journaling, reading, all sorts of great stuff free to you, encourage you to get this. You say, oh, Josh, I don't do binders or anything like that. You can get a digital copy on our website and in the app, and you can keep that on your phone as like a PDF, and you can read through it that way. I know some of you highlighter and pencil nerds are getting real excited for this, and, uh, and you can pick it up and do all that kind of stuff. But I'm encouraging you, do something. Keep it in the work bag, keep it in the lunch box. keep it in the car, whatever you can do. Uh, you just do something uh, because God honors it when we put him first. Can I get him in? And so pick that up on your way out. I brought with me a couple books uh, that I think are just absolutely huge uh, when it comes to like setting goals and and trying to grow. There's a pastor out of DC, his name's Mark Batterson. He's a, wrote a bunch of amazing books. Some of you have read them, Circle Maker and uh, different things like that. But he wrote this book, Win the Day, Seven Daily Habits to Help You Stress Less and Accomplish More. I know that sounds like a self help book, but it's actually loaded with scripture and ways to help you. And so maybe as you're writing some of your goals, you say, I just need help putting together a plan to get from here to here. This is a great resource. I think it came out a couple years ago. You can check this one out. He also wrote another one kind of along the same lines. It's called Do It For A Day, another New York Times bestseller, uh, how to make or break any habit in 30 days. Maybe some of you got a habit. You're like, I just, I want to be done with this this year. He's got some spiritual principles in here that you can pick up this book and, uh, and it will help you with that as well. He's a brilliant writer. He's a great person to read. And, um, and so you'll love getting that one as well. This one just came out Tuesday. This is Pastor Chris Hodges. Uh, he's one of the ARC pastors that we're connected with. Um, no worry, no cry, no argue, no fight. Pray first. That's a great idea. Pray first. This book came out Tuesday and, uh, and started reading it. And I don't normally get like caught up in books, you know, like, like oh, I got to keep listening to this. I did with this book. I just was like, man, I need to keep hearing this. So when I'd get little minutes here and there, I kept taking bites of it. And so Pastor Chris Hodges, great book. And um, you want to pick this one up, but, but pray first. Instead of all these other things that we do first, how about we just pray first? And so maybe if you're saying, I want some help with prayer this year, uh, pick up that book. That's a great one. But all of these things, all of these things, I want you to hear this. All of these things are not the solve all. The book, this guide, none of this kind of stuff. The solve all in this is if your heart says, God, I want you this year. I want you. I want to draw near to you. These things help, but they help aim us toward the Lord. Are you with me? So let me give you a couple things on fasting. Here's why we do fasting. Fasting begins with a desire for deeper intimacy with the Lord. It's a process to opening doors, miracles, and God's favor in our life. I could go on and on about testimonies that I've heard where pastors have been given buildings and women who couldn't get pregnant got pregnant during fasting or people who had financial burdens, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, people bless them. Now, we don't fast so that we can get things. We fast so that we draw near to God, and in the nearness of God, we experience His abundance. Amen. So fasting is not just skipping food. Fasting is refraining from food for spiritual purpose. It's just, oh, I'm 21 days. I'm going to just not have food in my life. Uh, No, it's saying, hey, I'm going to push away things in my life for spiritual purpose. Now, you may say, hey, pastor, I can't fast food. I got health things going on. I got to, when we get into the guide, you're going to see fasting can be more than food. You might say, oh, hey, you know, food is not something I can do right now. Awesome. Do social media. I think everybody within a year should actually spend some time off of social media. Can I get an amen? And so maybe for you, you're like, hey, social media is my thing. I'm just always scrolling. Maybe for you, this fast is social media. Maybe for you, it's TV. It's just entertainment. It's Netflix. It's Hulu. It's all the different things. And you say, hey, in these 21 days, I just, I got to unplug from these entertainment things. Um, in our household every single year, uh, some of you have those things that you're kind of like, there's no way I could fast that. Um, Jess, every time we do 21 days of prayer and fasting, I go to her and I'm like, um, you're not going to fast coffee, are you? It's just not good for the household <laughs> and the children and the animals when you fast coffee. It, for me, it used to be soda. Like I used to drink so much soda in a day, just sugar, sugar, sugar. And it'd to go off, and be headaches, all this different kind of thing. We know what the hooks are in our life. You know what the things are. One time I was like, I'm going to fast sports. Like, oh, it's not going to be a big deal. 21 days, I'll just miss a few games. You sports guys don't realize how much you listen to sports talk radio in the car, how much your phone notifies you of sports events, how much your buddies are texting you about sporting things. When I went on that sport fast, especially this time of the year when it's the NFL playoffs, when it's the culmination of college football, all of the different things going on, when you say, I'm going to unplug for sports, that cuts you a little deeper than you think especially when the Lions make the playoffs coming up here for the first time in 700 years, and you're going to have to fast that game. But you know what the hooks are. And so I want you to consider, hey, what what are some of the things that I need to fast? It can be more than food. But fasting, fasting is an advantage, and it's a key that God gave us. It's all over Scripture. Let me read it to you. We see in Matthew chapter 4, there's a demon-possessed boy. I'll wrap up here in about five minutes, but but there's a demon-possessed boy. And just previous to this passage, Jesus had given authority to all the disciples. He goes, you have authority to cast out demons, to heal people. You have permission. You have authority. I've given you the ability. Go cast out demons. You can do that. Well, they couldn't do it with this kid. They're like, oh, we just ran into this wall. We got this whole thing. And so Matthew chapter 17, this is where we get the big faith passage that we all love. But it's interesting what's tied to it. Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Verse 21, he says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Jesus knew that some supernatural things will only be unlocked through prayer and fasting. You know, it'd be funny to the disciples if we brought them into our time and we said, hey, disciples, what's going on? Yeah, we love our church. Uh, every year in January, one time a year, we do a 21 days of prayer and fasting. They'd be like only once a year because prayer and fasting was such a habit. It was such a lifestyle for them. If they understood like, hey, we're, we're desiring breakthrough. Let's, let's enact prayer and fasting and worship. And, and so Jesus has given us the example like, hey, there's going to be times where you have to make sure prayer and fasting is a part of this spiritual breakthrough. Can I get an amen? That's why Jesus himself fasted 40 days in the wilderness. We know that Moses was on a 40-day fast when he received the Ten Commandments. We saw that Esther was on a fast when she sought favor in the courtroom uh, of the king. We know that Hannah was unable to have children and had Samuel when she was on a fast. All throughout Scripture, Jesus, Joshua, Moses, Daniel went on a 21-day fast. Paul went on a 21 and a three-day. Peter, we see in Scripture, went on a three-day fast. Fasting is all over Scripture. How much more so should it be all over our life? prayer and fasting, saying, Lord, I'm pushing things aside so that I might be able to draw near to you. I'll close with this. In Psalm 133, it's a small chapter. Psalm 133 gives us what's called the commanded blessing on unity. It's where we see the scriptures talking about how good and pleasant it is when my people dwell together in unity the commanded blessing it works like this like when my people get together in unity god's like i can't help myself but bless that oh my goodness like when my people come together and do something in unity i just i have to bless that so think about this today january 1 2023 first month first sunday think about how many people this month are going to join together in a prayer and fasting movement all over the world america all over the world, people are joining together. So think about what heaven is doing when it looks down and sees that the world in this month is going on a prayer and fasting movement for him. So you think heaven's just like, oh man, I got to bless this. It's where I'm saying to you as your friend, like you understand the blessing that's coming, this commanded blessing of unity. Like, hey friend, don't miss this. You got to get in on this. 21 days of prayer, fasting, however God leads you to do it, but you can't sit this one out. You got to choose to do something because the commanded blessing that's going to be on this uni- on this unity is, is unpassable. And then my last part, and everybody hates it when I say this part, and uh, I might even take bribes to not say this part in future years. People say, what should I fast, pastor? What, what, what should I fast? What should I do? Well, I try not to like I try not to pressure anybody into anything. I don't want you to give because I said it. I don't want you to serve because I said it. I don't want you to fast because I've said it. I only want you to do those things if the Lord is the one who's put it on your heart to do it. But I will say this about prayer and fasting. If there's something that you're thinking of when I'm talking about prayer and fasting, and you say to yourself, oh, there's no way I could fast that. There's some other stuff I could fast over here, but there's no way I could give that up. That's probably the thing you need to fast. Because if it costs you nothing, it accomplishes nothing. These fasts gotta cost us something. They gotta gotta hurt. They gotta be sacrificed. They gotta be something we lay down on the altar. I don't eat Brussels sprouts. So if I went on a Brussels sprout fast, it would accomplish nothing because it costs me nothing. We gotta say, okay, Lord, what's the thing? Because I I want it to matter. I don't want to go through religious routine and duty and all this. No, no. I, I want to say, God, I want your nearness in 23. Therefore, I'm going to push all of these other big things out of my life so that I can experience that nearness. Am I making sense? So next week, next week is when we kick it off. Starting on the 8th is when we kick it off. But today, pick up your guide out in the hallway and then just go back and pray and ask the Lord. I encourage you with your kids, have a conversation with them. Our kids are pretty young. Uh, my oldest just turned 10, but over the past couple of years, we've let them just pick candy or we've let them say, oh you can't have this juice or this thing or whatever. And um, it's hard because y- you still have to give them their french fries. I mean you're going through here's your and you just want to eat one and you know ugh. my son got real rude last fasting we're watching TV or whatever a game's on and a little Caesar commercial came on TV. And my son said, dad, look, and it was pizza. And I was like, bro. And he was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. and so I stopped praying for him for a week. He came <laughs> off of my, <laughs> but it's got to cost us something. And, and I can't wait to see the blessing of the unity. Amen. Let me pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. God, I, I pray that you speak to each and every one of us. God, Show us the way that we can draw near to you in this month and over these 21 days. God, we thank you in advance for the spiritual breakthrough as we take physical steps to draw near to you. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.